at 503-231-8032. Board meetings will be conducted at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, unless otherwise noted. The KBU Board of Directors meets the fourth Monday of the month, starting at 6 p.m. Please call 503-231-8032 to verify if a meeting is being held. KBU Community Radio is always looking for ways people can work with us and support us. KBU has a wish list, and we'd love help getting some of those items donated. Some things on our list include a color printer, digital recorders, a pop-up canopy, dishwashing detergent, brooms and mops, or services like roofing, plumbing, and electrical work. Please contact station co-manager Delphine at del at kboo.org or go to kboo.fm slash wishlist for more information about supporting your favorite community radio station, KBOO Portland. This KBOO program is made possible in part by KBOO Foundation members and a grant from Portland's Gay Directory, providing a resource guide of openly gay-friendly businesses, organizations, and services since 1996. New smartphone app available for all iPhones and Droids. For more information, you can visit gaypdx.com. The time is 6 o'clock, and you're listening to KBOO Portland. And I'm sorry to say that Zelosos and Darian are saddened that they can't be here live in the studio tonight to talk about the history of the LGBTQ movement for communities of color here in Portland. But tonight's episode will still focus on the history of the LGBTQ movement. Please enjoy this episode of Strange Fruit, brought to you and made possible by WFPL. And this Queer Boo Hour is also brought to you by the Saturday Portland Market, from our hands to yours, celebrating 44 years of American arts and crafts, freshly prepared foods with an international flavor, and local music every Saturday and uh, Sunday night, Sunday all day, from March through Christmas Eve in Waterfront Park. It has local artisans, international food, live music, and you can find out more information at portlandsaturdaymarket.com. KBU Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is also available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Board meetings will be conducted at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, unless otherwise noted. The Cape- Strange Fruit, as we celebrate 200 episodes with a special live event at the Green Building Gallery in New Loop on Wednesday, June 21st at 6 p.m. We'll head to Galaxy after the show for a celebration with hosts Dr. Kyla Story and Jason Gardner. Visit the Strange Fruit Facebook page for details. Support for Strange Fruit comes from Caperton Realty, a locally owned and operated real estate company committed to helping clients find their ideal home in Louisville and surrounding areas. Families and homes, each designed differently. Realtors and listings at CapertonRealty.com. Hi, 
I'm Kyla. And this is Jay. And you're listening to Strange Fruit by WFPL. Welcome back to listeners. Uh, it is Pride Week. We are excited. We are getting out of here soon, y'all, because we have to get ready for the Kentuckiana Pride Parade. We are marching and walking in the Pride Parade. Uh, that is uh, Friday of this week. We're super excited. And, of course, the festival runs uh, both Friday and Saturday. It's going to be a fun yes. time. There's going to be the parade, of course, on Friday. And then the Friday night entertainment is Carrie Hilson, who sings, of course, Pretty Girl Rock. And okay. uh, what's that song she did with Neo? Uh, that, was that Neo? That she did a song with Neo. Uh, oh, and Neo and Lo- Kanye. Love, Love Knocked You Down. That song, yeah, yeah. yeah that like, that yeah. was a good song. So she's the headliner on Friday. And then on Saturday, of course, lots of entertainment, lots of drag, okay. lots of local musicians. And the headliner on Saturday night is the group LaBouche. You remember LaBouche from the 80s and ni- well, the 90s and 2000s? What did they sing? La, da, da, dee, da, 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 da. Oh, yes. Be my lover. Oh, you, to yeah, be yes. my lover. So that's LaBouche, yes. yes. Uh, and actually, that band helped me learn French because LaBouche, you know what LaBouche means in French? What does it mean? It means the mouth. Yes, the mouth. Yes, exactly. Which is oh, right on time because <laughs> I was like <laughs> coming to my own, uh, you know. But uh, I, I love the mouth. Uh, hey, hey, now la bouche. Uh, so anyway, uh, we we Pum-cash. are going to uh, do this wonderful uh, show for y'all. <laughs> then we're gonna go get ready. But of course, uh, in Juicy Fruit this weekend, hot topics. A few things caught my attention, Doc. Uh, do you know who the pop singer is? They, her name is uh, Tennessee. You know that name? No. Okay, you would know if you saw her. But again, her name is is her name is Tennessee or Tanashi. Okay. But she's actually from here. I'll show you her picture. Take a look at her picture real quick. If I if I can just Google her. But she's oh. actually she's actually from Kentucky. Okay. Uh, but she's a pop star, and she's she's been pretty popular over the years. Uh, she has uh been uh, on tour with like Janet Jackson and uh, Justin Bieber, Katy Perry, Nicki Minaj. She's done a lot of collaborations, uh, including with Britney Spears. But she was really lamenting her lack of success. She really wants to be a, a, a top A-list pop star along the lines of a Rihanna or a Beyonce. But she is really saying, like, uh, the reason I'm not, uh, you know, a, a top dog in the game of, of R&B is because of colorism. Because Oh, she, yeah, I saw that. You saw that. Okay, mess. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so, so, she's, so she's biracial, and she's okay. always been pretty open about being biracial. But she is of the opinion that uh, black people in particular do not embrace her because she's too light-skinned. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, she says, uh, quote, now she did this interview with The Guardian where she says, quote, it's about trying to find a balance where I'm a mixed woman and sometimes I feel like I don't fully fit into the black community. They don't fully accept me, even though I see myself as a black woman. Mm-hmm. And so she is saying that basically because she's light skinned that we don't accept her. Um, so that's the, that's number one, despite the fact that there has been like who like Aaliyah. Um, who I mean, there's been lots of like uh, Cassie. Okay. Uh, there's been a number of of, of light complected. Mariah Mar- Carey's biracial. Yeah. Uh, Drake is biracial. Plus, um, if you talk about and you if you think about colorism and the way that it's functioned historically, it doesn't and te- and, and it doesn't discriminate against light skinned people. And, and presently, in yeah. the United, especially within the United States, and I would argue actually all over the world, anywhere there are people of color, where there is a gradation of shades and hues, we see this in India, right? We see this in the United States when it comes to African Americans, and so there's never really been historically or presently this kind of open discrimination with people of color, brown people, where they are dissing light folk yeah. or folk who represent a closer proximity to whiteness. Yeah. If anything, it's the direct opposite, right? Yeah. So we have all sorts of different campaigns that have been in response to colorism in our communities, like our friend to the show, Dr. Yaba Blay, yes. right? Pretty period. Um, all of those kinds of things which affirm brown to dark skin women. My black, my black is beautiful, those exactly. kinds of campaigns. Exactly. That, that say like our melanin on fleek, that whole campaign exactly. signifies the notion of the more melanin melanin one has, the darker one is. And exactly. That's, or even back in when you were a kid, like the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. Like yeah. the notion of, of affirming a dark skinness because that was not always. Yeah, and even if you look at black pop culture back in the early 90s specifically, the object of affection in many black films was always a very fair to light skin woman. Berry, yeah. in particular. Yeah. Holly Berry and the woman in um, Tisha Campbell or Martin. Okay, you know, like any, t- uh, any any TV and show. And who you was have. the butt of the joke on Martin? Was Pam? Yeah, was Pam. Who was, yeah, who was considerably right. browner? Yeah. Like, like every TV show um, kind of had the light the light skinned wife. Yeah, and yeah. the and even I mean, in, even uh, on Rock. Early, you, you remember Rock? Yeah, with Ella Joyce. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. and even uh, when it comes to uh, pop music videos, yeah. especially in the early nineties, Rump yes. Shaker, all videos kind of the video vixen model motif was, was about the, yeah. light skin, right? Yeah, absolutely. Curly biracial hair, all that kind of stuff going on so I don't know what she's talking maybe she's just late maybe well, she's late well that's what people are, people are throwing shade and saying that she kind of and I, again I can't name a hit of hers you know I'm a fan of hers obviously because I just recently found out that she's from Kentucky okay uh, 
Uh, but I don't. I can't name for you her hit or, or her songs, but people a lot of the critique has been that she kind of produces a, a similar type track every time or her videos are very uh very cheerleader like that, that she kind of produces the same product over and over and maybe that's why mm. she's not popular and then she also furthermore says that that we kind of as americans kind of only give space for that to be one or two black women at any given time that she that that, that someone can't like both her and um you know, Kalani, or that people can't like both yeah. Rihanna and Beyonce. Do you think that maybe there's a bit more, uh, a little bit more, maybe um, truth to that assertion? I do. That maybe I there's do only think room that, for a couple yeah, of, I and, and I have argued that too. Like, like I always believe that had Aaliyah not died in that plane crash, that Beyonce would not be as big as she is. And of course, we we would never know. And again, that's, that's not taking away. <laughs> I, I hold on before you before you were the high attack oh girl. Can I see you pulling your switchblade out your purse? <laughs> <laughs> you get your, I, your razor blade oh under your tongue. Oh my goodness! I wasn't. I wasn't doing all that. Your razor blade. I mean, no, but hear my point though. Okay, my, my yes, point, not, yes, that's that's not ahead. to take away from Beyonce's talent. That is to say that again, Aaliyah was that preeminent black girl pop star of the time. I mean, she just yeah, was hands down. She true. was. The, she was really the one of the only ones to really kind of start doing that. Uh, making music but also doing television also doing movies remember she did Queen of the Damned and she was doing Romeo Must Die like she was really becoming like the first kind of black pop girl star I guess besides Janet but at least modern day to start going into movies and such right Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. dies and then like she kind of led the way for in my opinion a Beyonce I don't don't think that had Aaliyah lived that that would have created space for a Brandy or a Beyonce to, to to do things they did, even though I think Brandy was doing her TV shows before uh, Aaliyah was. But I just think that again, there might not have been space for both a Beyonce and an Aaliyah. No, I know, but I also think too that again, if her style is similar to that of Beyonce, right? In terms, which of is really music, not. I think she's a lot more pop, and she's not quite as like. I mean, let's not. Okay, she, she's giving herself too much credit. She's more yeah, along the lines like girl Kalani or. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, now maybe that's like also a, someone I don't know. That, that's my whole and point. So, yeah. so my thing is, is that I do think that there's more currency when she's talking about America only creating allotted spaces for Black female performers. Like I, I feel like. Um, there isn't a lot of, there's not a whole gamut. Yeah. I mean, um, even with Viola Davis, as much as I love seeing her act, she's becoming overutilized, yeah. right? I mean, and And, and it's no while, shade as is Taraji, and it's no shade on either oh, one yeah, of those yeah, women. Yeah, yeah, You know, and, and some things they've done really well, but some stuff uh-huh. is like, okay, I don't want to see, <laughs> I don't want to see either one of those women. I mean, every movie, else. Octavia Spencer, yeah. I mean, it's, yes. it's these, these figures, right? Um, and so... I want them to be famous, popular, ubiquitous, and, and no, yeah. yeah, notorious. But I do think that um, Americans really only kind of designate, oh, we like this black woman. Yeah. And so we're going to use her over and over and over again. I mean, how they kind of do, do, th- do you think that's the same? And, and I wonder, not, not equating the two, but do you think that's also the same for black men? Like, and maybe to a lesser degree, but I think like now you have uh, Mahershala Ali, right, who's getting his fame off yeah, of yeah, Moonlight. Yeah. And then I guess he was doing that. I really enjoy that. The other, but I think that he's now about probably about to see his, like, his prime time in the spotlight. And I, I hope wonder. So because he's really only, I've only seen him in Moonlight. Yeah. And so, but I he mean. He was I, on, I guess, Luke Cage, or there was some kind of other, like, Netflix something. Oh, he did play in Luke yeah. Cage. Cage. Yeah. He was like the okay, yeah, but he was but, evil. They were like yeah. so different. The part. And I think but, before him, there was like Michael B. Jordan, the boy who was in um, girl. the one who played no Michael B. Jordan, the one who <laughs> played in Fruitvale Station. But then he also did the boxing movie. Oh the yeah, Rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, so he yeah. had his one where he was like the go-to young black dude. And forever it's been Idris Elba, and they tired of him. Yeah. And it was Morris Chestnut, but really exclusively Morris Chestnut, only in black stuff. Yes. And now he's uh, done that one show that Rosewood, but it's yeah, been my mom was like, it hasn't been. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. Me yeah. and Missy tried to get into it. It my was like mama, cheesy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mama was like forcing me to watch it, and I'm like, okay, so every minute that he's doing yeah. this crime fighting, he could potentially die. Like I'm not watching that, <laughs> yeah. you know. So like, but I was just interested because because know. Rosewood was on Fox and it was supposed to be like some kind of cop drama, but I was used to. Uh, uh, what what was it? Um, that what was the cop drama in that after Mark after Living Color? What who, who what was it? Oh, New York Undercover. New York Undercover. That's yeah, uh, yeah. So that was that. And was Malik my, Yoba. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's been overused too. Yeah, okay, so we yeah. can talk about this all day. But I mean, she, she's obviously late. Yeah. Her performance obviously shows yeah. it. So. And it's not fair to blame it on colorism. No, so, it's definitely so especially down. when it don't work that way, girl. Yeah. Thumbs down, girl. Bye. Um, switching gears to <laughs> other news. So unfortunately, that was another assault of trans women, uh, trans women of color in New York City, uh, in the last few weeks. There is a woman named DJ Jasmine. She's an upcoming DJ who was actually planning a tour in Europe, a multi-city tour in Europe. But instead of plan- planning for that trip, she's in the hospital recuperating, mm-hmm. having to have reconstructive surgery to her jaw. Her jaw was broken. She was bruised and battered. Um, so Jasmine's 33 years old. She was hanging out with her homegirl, 
Um, and she's a, a, a rapper from Florida named London Jade. <clears throat> and so they were hanging out in Bushwick in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And this was like 1.45 in the morning on a Saturday. And so they walked past a bodega. And allegedly there's a group of about 10 men there, 10 Latino men and women who are outside chilling outside this liquor store. And so as it often goes, uh, they, they begin to get catcalled and disrespected on the street that these men and women are yelling. Uh, they're calling these women transformers, which, which is, a, is a derogatory mm. uh, slur against trans women. And so they're um, yelling at, at these two women. And they also have another the, the two women have a third friend with them. But they're yelling, they're yelling slurs at these three trans women of color. And so Jasmine aside, she's not going to take it anymore. She begins to kind of yell back at the, at the group. And in fact, she pulls out uh, her camera phone and begins to take pictures of the of the group because they're drinking uh pu- they're drinking publicly they're drinking liquor in public and they don't and have so, no brown yeah. bag or and so she's kind oh, okay. of saying to them like okay since you want to come for me I'm gonna come for you I'm gonna take your picture of y'all drinking in public and I'm gonna give it to the cops and get y'all arrested okay and so that leads to uh the the group knocking her cell phone out of her hand and then beating her up and beating up her uh her her uh her comrade as well and unfortunately they suffered uh, lots of bruises including a broken jaw uh there was a, a woman with a box cutter that cut up. Uh, London on her legs and so the uh, the assailants are still at large they have not yet been caught but uh, luckily these two women survived their attack but oh, so far there have been 12 transgender women so far this year who have been murdered um, as that That's goes so, so I mean I just I mean I just hate that and what kind of again what kind of cruel psychopathic human being you know for people who are out enjoying themselves having a good time keying with their friend and you want to what ruin that i mean i don't know if it makes these assailants feel tough or strong or it somehow um reasserts their fragile masculinity i don't know but it's sick especially it, it makes know. it to be all the more odd when you find out it's a co-ed group there's a group of women as well so this oh group of God. attackers that, it was it was both men and women right that, that's kind of silly well. to me in fact it was a woman who pulls out the box cutter and begins to slice up the legs mm. of one of the trans women so to mm. me it's, it's like what is the motivation like what is you know I understand when we were juveniles and we kind of made fun of other people or but as a, as a grown adult what is the motivation as you as you ask what's the motivation for really well, well I mean, with both, with both parties, with both <laughs> parties, it seems to it seems as if black trans women, especially or trans women of color, especially, ignite and disturb folks' um, conceived identity, right? So, what what is what the problem is is that these people, right, their masculinity is challenged, their femininity is challenged, or their identity in general. I mean, as we know, where when it comes to research, a lot of the more vehement, adamant, homophobic, loudest folk who are going around spewing homophobia end up being gay themselves. Yeah, that's true. Um, And yeah. so, end up being gay. Yeah, that's, okay. that's no shame. So, and it's no shame. Speaking, speaking of right? Moonlight, we saw that I mean, in Moonlight. Okay. Right? We, 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 saw, we see that so, with Congress people and, and senators. Again, and, this goes all the way back to Shakespeare, thou yeah, uh, yeah. protest too much, too much yeah, right yeah. so there's something about seeing trans women of color black dare, trans women dare to be themselves be free and, and public that unapologetic really makes that enrages folks that is enraging and again none of this to me and as far as i'm concerned is a justification yeah I, at one all, my no. identity has never been um no. unstable in those ways yeah, right yeah. so what somebody else outside of me does right doesn't disturb me. If yeah. I'm like, be free. Yes, I'm yeah. free. Yes, be free. Get yeah. life. Right. But I think that these folks um, don't have a strong sense of self. The sense of self that they try to perform is fragile and not real. Um, and, you know, we need to really deal with this as a country because this is an epidemic. It's yeah. awful. What is it that uh, the quote, uh, uh, color purple, don't uh, like, uh, don't like folk being too proud or too free? Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, uh, old Mister talking trash about Shug. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, don't nobody like nobody being too proud or too free. And I think that's what yeah. it is. Is that I think or that, another or uh, uh, when Mister t- is talking about Sophia and he says, you know, Sophia thinks too much of herself. She needs to be, be knocked, knocked down a peg or two. Yeah, and I, and I think that's yeah. exactly it. That they don't like the the, the freedom and the unapologeticness. That, Audacity. The, the people, yeah. yeah, the people mm-hmm. dare to you know do you dare to exist. You know, you yeah. dare to. I think that people try to concentrate the motivation around the gender identity in and of itself. And I would argue that it has to do with that audaciousness and that audacity. I yeah. mean, the the folks who wanted to, you know, kill Obama and and harm Obama, 
were just as angry at Obama because of that audacity. Yeah, you know, audacity. You know, hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. So. Uh, well, Doc, before we go, um, I wanted uh, what we asked you. You actually it was your idea <laughs> that we both yes. kind of put together our list. And usually, I'm the list guy, right? Because you like lists. I'm the list guy. You like uh, lists. Uh, of the show, and so, but you, it was your idea to kind of for us both to compile a list of five. Uh, moments, if you will, are people, places, or things that have been significant to LGBT history or equality or rights. And, you know, as we celebrate Pride Month. And so okay. you compile a list of five things. I compile a list of five things. And I, I will give you this caveat that most of my things are pop culture related because y'all know I put the pop culture in the title and you like do the the, the more serious stuff. And so your list is probably going to be a lot more thoughtful than mine. And mine is going to be a little bit more frivolous. <laughs> but I'll let you go first. Okay, so I do all five. No, you you just you give me one, and I'll give you one. And again, okay. y'all, this is no particular order, and it's not like the order of importance. These are just you know, you're gonna give okay. us five moments you think have been pivotal, pivotal to like queer rights. So okay, so my first moment is in 1950, the Mattachine Society is formed by activist Harry Hay. And it's one of the first sustained gay rights groups in the United States. It focused on social acceptance okay. and other support for gay folk. Oh, the Medicine Society. Yes. You often talk about the, the, talk about them in your class. They, I they, do. they preceded a lot of even like what we know as the HRC, Definitely, the task yes. force, a lot of the modern yeah, day. They're formed in 1950. Yeah. Same with uh, Daughters of Belitis, yeah. which was a lesbian organization. And yeah. again, both organizations were very conservative and their agenda was more so about tolerance okay. and acceptance as opposed to more like pushing the envelope yeah, forward. As opposed to more, or, you know, I don't care about what you think. I'm going to okay. be me, right? Okay. So we change the praxis and, and go from kind of gay tolerance to queer activism. Okay. You know, after after 1950. But yeah, yeah. 1950, the first little. The Mattachine Society. The, okay, first little, the, first little, the first little gay house. Okay, the house gay of, group. The house of Mattachine. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, okay, so on my list. <laughs> And the, please don't laugh, y'all, at my, at my choices, child. Okay, what is um, it? I have the Roseanne Kiss episode. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, so you remember. You love that I, I, You know me. You know, child, I love my pop culture. So I think it was Sandra Bernhardt, right? No, it was Meryl Hemingway. No, okay, Meryl Hemingway. Okay, yeah. No. So, but Sandra was on that show. So, yeah, yeah. so that was all this. Because, you know, child, I was just, like, at home looking for any taste of gay anything on TV, child. Whatever, <laughs> like, so I was just meddling, like, reading the paper, <laughs> listening to the grown people conversation, like, what gay was about to happen on You're TV, child. So you know, back then, they would build up things for months and months. Like, the gay, he's going to be a gay kiss on Roseanne. You okay. Know? So, like, you, like, get your popcorn, like, go in your room, close your door, like, turn your TV. <laughs> So, you know, so that was this episode where there was supposed to be like this lesbian character on Roseanne. I guess she had a crush on Roseanne and then they were going to kiss, you know? So I was okay. in Sojo, so excited. And I like watched the episode, but it wasn't even like no for real like French kiss. I mean, it wasn't. It was like a, like it a, was a touch, pop kiss. It was like a touch our lips kiss, but then they, even, the, even the way they shot it was like, you couldn't like really see the lips on the lips. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it was like the camera angles were like a buck and weird. Yeah, because wasn't her character a lesbian? Meryl Hemingway yes, was character, an actual lesbian. Yes, yes. Who befriended Roseanne. They yes. go to the lesbian bar. Yes. And then Muriel, because Roseanne is so kind and doesn't yes. care if she's gay, kisses her yeah. where it's this humorous <laughs> moment because Roseanne's like, well, I'm not gay. You yeah, know, but and she's down for that kiss, and, though. Okay. So, yeah, so that was my moment. That, that was a big deal for a kid uh, coming, coming into his own in it the was. 80s and 90s. So, okay. anyway, oh my God, what I you got? It. Number two for you. Okay, number two, of course, is in 1969, Stonewall Riots. Okay. And again, mine are kind of dry and boring and yes. kind of go in terms of like historical yeah, uh, no. moments in Pride history. But, you know, but Stonewall is extremely important. It was a crucial turning point in the gay rights movement. It went from this idea of tolerance and, uh, you know, essentially people having to put up with gay folk to much more of an in, in your, your face, face, yeah, in your face kind of queer activist politic and that was in 1969 in 2015 New York actually made the Stonewall Inn um, a landmark in the city yes um, so. I've, I've been to Stonewall when, when DJ and I my daughter DJ and I went to New York you know about a year a year ago I actually yes. got to go to the Stonewall Inn it was just so neat was now, it, it, is it little bitty well yeah it, 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 it is not a, it's not a, it's not a York, huge did, bar it's not a huge bar but actually so where Stonewall is now is not the same bar where they have the, the like the riots is like, okay. it's like so I think that was like a fire of some sort or it, it's the same block the same space but it's been like migrated and like redesigned and stuff like that but um okay. but I have a picture of myself outside of um outside of the Stonewall well what's so what's so crucial about it is after this riot right which is the first Pride march yeah the first Pride is a riot right yes. after this riot over seven hundred 
LGBT, gay and lesbian, trans organizations across the United States spring up. I mean, nonprofits, um, activist groups, over 700 after Stonewall takes place. So it is a really pivotal, changing moment at that point. Yay. I love it. That was a good one. That was a good one. Okay, Okay, you ready for my number two? Okay, yeah. And again, don't laugh at me, y'all. No, I enjoy yours. Speaking of sitcoms. Ellen DeGeneres comes out on her Ellen show. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And just a little bit of trivia the Ellen show, before she had not her talk show, y'all, because if you're under 25, you don't know. But if you're 30 and over, you know, before her talk show, she had the Ellen DeGeneres show, yes. her sitcom. And before it was called the Ellen show, it was called These Friends of Mine. Like the first season, the show would actually call These Friends of Mine. And then oh. they changed the name to the Ellen show. Just a little bit of trivia for y'all. So, yeah, so again, <laughs> that was a lot of buildup because people, and again, I knew Ellen was gay. She had that movie, like Mr. Wright or something. And, you know, it was obvious that Ellen never looked good in like a wedding dress. So, you know, we we knew she was a lesbian, <laughs> right? But that was all this like speculation like, is she going to come out on her show? And that like, Oprah was going to be on the show and be her, play her therapist. So, again, there was all this buildup. You know what I'm saying? As to what was going to okay. happen. And so, you know, on the show, she's like in the supermarket or something. And she like grabs the microphone and says, like, I'm a lesbian. And so and it was a big deal. And yeah. simultaneously, uh, she oh, was, she's on the cover. Uh, she also comes out, not just a character on the sitcom, but also in real life on the cover of like The Advocate or Out Magazine or something. She comes out in real life as well. And so that was a big deal. It now, was. it sucked because after that, she like lost her TV show. And, yeah, like, they basically like, got blacklisted. The show and like fired. Yeah, yeah like ran, ran out the country. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's my number two. And uh, it's pop so culture. funny because my students only know Ellen the Cover Girl. Yeah. Only know Ellen who's married to Portia de Rossi. Yeah. Yep, they don't remember um, Ellen and Anne Hayes. I mean, remember that? And that was scandalous, child. That was the tea. Yeah, honey. that was a mess. When Anne Hayes was going knocking. Remember after <laughs> Ellen uh, broke up with her, she was going uh, door knocking and yep. crying. Yeah, getting bucked. I mean, that was. Yeah, that was good. Okay, so yeah. Oh my god! Okay, I, I, I told you my list would be good. Okay, okay, you're Num- it, number it, three it for you. Number three. Okay, my boring number three. Okay, it's not is, boring. No, it's, it's, it's 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 informative. <laughs> okay, yes. In 1973, the American uh, Psychiatric Association removed gay from yes. the list of mental disorders, and that's important from the from what like yes. the, what they call the DSM, which I guess yes. is the is the guiding rule book of yes. of mental. Um, and, and why was that important, Doc? Because Back in the day, they would do like lobotomies. They would do all yes. kind of like scientific stuff on you if you were LGBT mm-hmm. under the auspices of you have some kind of illness that needs to be cured. Yeah. I mean, I remember and I remember when I was young and this this actually relates to pop culture. OK. It's one of my favorite movies because it's my favorite actress. Well, one of my favorites. OK. okay my One of my favorite white actresses, which is Angelina Jolie, because she always plays. <laughs> yes, Angelina. She always plays somebody's maverick and somebody's gay character. She's buck, yeah. From like um, that one movie where her character's name is Leg. I think it's called Foxfire. She was like okay, kind yes. of gay. Um, then she played Gia, the gay model. Okay. Right? And then she played in Girl Interrupted with yeah, Renona Ryder. Yeah, she got Ryder. buck in that, but that was good. And she was getting so yeah. buck in that, right? Because yeah. she actually plays a psychopath. And she's like, they're all, they break into the therapist's office. Yeah. And they're so excited. And um, they're reading their files. And they start crying. Some of them start crying. Some about of them, like what the therapist said about them. Yeah, about what the therapist notes have said about them. And you know, and they said, oh, my God, you're a psychopath to Angelina Jolie. And she's like, yep, there's very few of us and most of uh, and most of us are men. Right. Yes. And so and so then the lesbian who's in there. Yes. Says, I'm a psychopath. And she's like, no, you're a dyke. Yeah. <laughs> so I, was yes. like, I just love that part because like it hits at the notion of baby, yeah, you, mean, you just in here because you gay. It wasn't and- just about like, oh, let's go to therapy. It was about like locking you in mental institutions. Yeah. So yeah. 1973, they get rid of it. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, yes. That was a good one. Are you ready for my number three? Yes. So, you know, uh, one of my favorite reality shows, really one of the first kind of modern day reality shows was The Real World on MTV. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, like, yes. it, it, it really was. Like, I used to, like as, like, as a kid, that's the show I wanted to be on, child. Like, I used to watch every season. Child. I remember when Tammy, who people know now from Basketball Wives, used to be on The Real World. Yeah. I remember, she she had an abortion on TV. That was a big deal for the time. Yes. Remember, she uh, got that boy kicked out of the house because he, like. That black boy. That black that boy. That actually started a trend of all the black roommates who are black men getting kicked out of their basically, house. Basically, yeah. Because they said that he like <laughs> tried to like basically pull her blanket off of her when she was like naked. And anyway, yeah. uh, all that to say I love the real world. Yes. Well, there was a time in the 2000s when they kind of did a, what I thought was a big deal. And that's when they cast Karamo on the real world. I don't remember his season. Maybe Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, Karamo. And Karamo... Was interesting, not 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 just to me, but to the to the public because Karamo identified as a gay man, a gay black man, but he presented himself as a, a, a more masculine presenting, more masculine acting black man. And again, I know we exist on every range of the spectrum, right, from feminine mm-hmm. to masculine, but I think that 
he was a different script than what people were used to. They were used to the, to the hyper and uber effeminate gay black man on television, right? As the accessory, as the gay pet. And mm-hmm. so Karamo, I think, not only for his roommates, for a lot of the for the also a lot of the watching audience, helped to redefine what it meant to be a black gay man, and that one could still rock Timberlands and one could still rock, rock snapbacks. Although I never really wore either, but you know, it was, he, he was it was he was very interesting, you know, and he was very interesting. And Karamo to this day has been us, uh, you know, I guess a, a vanguard of 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 black gay men on television and, and he does some really wonderful work now and so I thought it was just really cool to have a black gay dude because there were a lot of black men on the real world like Steven and like Tech Money mm-hmm. who were kind of like suspect you know but they you know they like would get like get naked in the pool they're really suspect they kind of hinted at their queerness and they had, but they, they had Pedro they, but yeah they had Pedro Zamora of course I would mm. see that he should he should be on my list, but let, let's just make yeah, him like. I know three. you. I know you. We'll make him three. We'll make him three B. Pedro. 3B. Pedro did a lot. Pedro, I y'all Pedro. was on. Was he on the first season? I don't know. No, it was not the first season. I think it was the third. But a I couple like, like yeah. And I mean, he, did he die he, on the he, show? He did not die on. Uh, he died uh, after the show. I think. I, I feel like it. But was, Pedro was 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 openly gay. He was mm-hmm. a, a Latino man, and he was HIV positive. Yeah. And um. And he was like so culturally aware. Yes, his boyfriend, was his husband such, was black. Yeah. Yeah, and he was such an activist. Yeah. I mean, when it came to ideas of race and yeah. racism yeah. when it came to all Pedro's, the Pedro Zamora, yeah. Yeah, when it came to all the stigma surrounding yeah. HIV. Yeah. I mean, he, I think, provided a lot of lay audiences yeah. who might not be activists yeah. or intellectuals He in did in such a vulnerable you way. Know? Like, he, he uh, like, I mean, you talk about from the early night, like, yeah. even though the HIV epidemic was not as bad as it was in the 80s in terms mm-hmm. of misinformation, like, he put himself in a really vulnerable position in yeah. the 90s that really put his life on front street. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you yeah. for that reminder. That, that was oh, a good one. Pedro. So I'll say Karamo, Karamo, and Pedro as part of the Real World series. So, mm. all right, give me your number four. Okay, my number four, and my number four is like kind of goes with my number five, but okay. they're like two years apart. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, so in 2013, the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act. Okay. So in a five to four decision. Yes. Right. So that's my number four. Yes. Um, there was a Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, which that that was said, Bill, Bill Clinton did that, right? Definitely yeah. the Clintons, okay. right? Well, let's and, not, yeah. uh, okay, let, let, let's yeah. Okay, let's we forget. Okay. And um, that was in 2013. So that's when I was, um, oh, I was... 2013, you would have been 33. Yeah, I was 33. Yeah. Oh, I was trying to make myself, yeah, I was like, girl, I was heavy. You were like, I, I was, mean, 23 six, like, I was like 16. It's like, no, girl. <laughs> girl you yeah, old. so no, I really wasn't. Yeah, I was like 33 years <laughs> yeah, old. But um, they knocked it down uh, because, again, the Defense of Marriage <clears throat> Act was all about um, defining marriage between one man and one yeah, woman and certainly. all this BS. Yeah. So yeah, and that yeah. kind of paved the way for states to begin to legalize on, on their own. Yes, marriage equality, and then that also kind of laid the groundwork for what I presume is going to be your number five. Let yes. me go to my number four real quick. <laughs> okay, my number four. Um, Dennis Rodman played in the NBA. You know, you know Dennis oh, Rodman. Right. Yes, yeah. Yes, so yes, I, yes. I, obviously, I'm not an, an athlete kind of guy. You know, whatever. But Dennis Rodman was a big deal because he was in the NBA. And although he does not, I, I guess if you ask him today, he probably would identify as straight. But I think that back then he he identified as bisexual. Even though, like, I could girl, I bought his book. He had that book, "Bad as I Want to Be," where he was on the motorcycle naked on the cover of the book. I thought that was brilliant because that that um, illuminated the idea that one can have a sexuality without having had to have had the sex itself. You know what I mean? Mm. And people be like, "How you bisexual? You ain't been with both." It's like, well. I mean, how you straight? You're a virgin. Like, can straight people be virgins? You know. So, uh, I really, but you remember Dennis Rodman wore that wedding dress? Do you remember? I remember that with <laughs> lipstick and everything. I loved it. Oh my goodness! And like, and, a, and like a crown. And, and he, had, and, he always had his blonde hair, and you, you know. just couldn't tell me nothing. And he made it. He made it okay. He made it possible. Whether one was gay or not gay or whatever, he made it possible to just be a, a black boy who was just different. That's and I just true. really, and I really, really loved Dennis Rodman for that. So that he was really. Uh, I tell you what, in terms of my early role models, that again he got Buck, and you know now he's like hanging out in North Korea, but or whatever. But I don't um, know what he's doing. He's getting really Buck right now, but uh, oh, but right. but he was an early role model for me. So shout out to Dennis Rodman. Okay, he is all right, Buck. give me your number five, Doc. Okay, I have I have two like number five. Okay, so my obvious my obvious number five was related to my number four. Okay, it is so ordered the Supreme Court rules that gay marriage is legal in all fifty states. Two thousand fifteen. Okay. Yes. So two years ago. Um, it was ruled that yes. same-sex marriage yeah. legal 2015 yeah. and it's pure and my like 2000 oh no my my 5B okay is also in 2015 okay. in December we have Kiki Palmer yes come out as okay. sexually fluid okay which I think is a really really big deal why and why is that I just think it's a big deal because we don't oftentimes see 
African-American entertainers or singers or, you know, folks in media. Especially young people, yeah. Yeah, who are young and and black and gay, right? There's not a lot of visibility around young black queer identity. Yeah. And I think it was very important for Palmer, someone like Palmer, right? Who's done Aquila and the Bee, who did Scream Queens, who's yeah. really been one of the preeminent young black actresses right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and what's, what's interesting, too, is she does this in 2015, where she's basically like, I'm sexually fluid, yeah. right? Um, and then all the subsequent interviews after that, always all the interviewers, you know, including Wendy, okay. and I like Wendy, but... okay. Including Wendy, 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 Wendy tries this sometimes. They what does always, she do? they always ask her about men. Yeah. Are you dating? Any, do you have a man? You a do you have a boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she does this two years ago, and everyone always wants to gender what prospective partner or person that she's looking looking yeah. for or dating yeah. or all of this. And so, at the same time that this was a really kind of landmark thing, people still try to write her as straight. And I, I just wonder what is the investment in suppressing black queer femme kind yeah, of identities. Yeah. I wonder what that what that's about. Like, you know, I mean, even Queen Latifah, I mean, yeah. she's not out. Um everyone knows that she's yeah, gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um we just don't have a lot of visibility when it comes to uh, black right, gay women. You're absolutely right about know? that. You're right about so, that. That's a brilliant point. So Kiki All right, well, drum roll please my number 5. Okay, yes. Probably my favorite on the list, Noah's Ark. The TV oh. show on, of course, on Logo, y'all. And yes. Doc, you, you remember we used to watch that together. We and were, I, I we bought was, the series. You I did buy the series. Both seasons. I yes. hate that it was only. It was only like two or three. Yeah, two, and Ian Patrick two Polk seasons. to me is a brilliant. Pat, Patrick Ian Polk, yes. Or Patrick Ian Polk. Yes. Like Ian Patrick Polk. Yeah, Patrick um, Ian Polk. And um, so for those of you all who don't know, you know, like the Logo channel is really popular now, of course, for RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. But before that was Drag Race, the, the flagship program of that show was Noah's Ark. And so Patrick Ian Polk uh, did Noah's Ark, which was basically like a melodramatic series about like... Uh, what it was four, a black, gay, male, yeah. sex and city. Yeah, but I, but I would... I would or sex and city was like a white women's Noah's Ark. So, you know, uh, again... Uh, well, sex and city comes first. But it doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> Noah's Ark was incomparable. Oh, don't do that. No, uh, I'm no, not but, saying but, that, yeah, but... But it was, it was that kind of, of a show. Genre, or yeah. a Friends or a Living Single. It was dramatic. Single, it, yes. it, was, it was dramatic. It was funny. It was interesting. Yes. It taught you. It was lessons. that kind of a story. Yes, it, yeah. it was about what does it mean to be to be friends, to navigate dating and mm-hmm. sex and health and fun and family. And it was a really wonderful show. And you and I would get together at your apartment, child. We would watch it. We sing the themes. Oh, I'm dream? not going to say that. Oh, <laughs> no, but all I see, and that is it's you and me back when we were free. Yes. yes. So that was the we'll, have to, we'll have to play that sometime. Okay. But maybe even try to find that artist and have her come. I uh, love. I love that uh, song. On, one of, on one of our shows. But yeah, so it was a really wonderful. <laughs> theme song and a really wonderful series with Noah and Wade and uh and it was just brilliant I remember it one was. time I, I, I used to just like watch the show and just start crying like it was I just know. so you know even though like now you look at the acting was kind of bad no shade yeah it was kind of cheesy but just to see your life reflected on TV like on, on like for real TV yeah you know what I'm saying like not on PBS no shade on Ball of Rigs you know what I'm saying <laughs> or not on like even like HBO like on Real Sex but like on a, like a legitimate I love TV show sex. you know because Real Sex is like black gay people but they're like some kind of like strippers or like some, something buck going on okay. but this was just regular gay people just getting buck and navigating life and yes. so for me like I would, I would watch it and I started crying because y'all know my story you know it was like Blaine Antoine on Living Color it was Jerry Springer it was never anything positive and this was like the first time you yeah. have like not just one but like five black people who are gay and it came out um and then after they canceled it then the movie they came. did they did two they did two movies yeah and so it, it was just really really cool it sucks that uh logo canceled that show there really was no reason and i don't to even know it. why they didn't bring they, it they, back. they, they like, didn't have a reason to i mean it, it like, was the highest rated thing on that channel it was their flagship program the way the drag race is now is their flagship program but that's why they do black people child i mean that's yeah. they keep it let's keep it real yeah uh, but um that was my list Oh my God, I love your list. Y'all love your list too. Okay, That's pretty yes. good. All right, y'all. Well, happy Pride. Happy to Pride y'all. to you too, y'all. We have got to get out of here. We have a parade to get ready for. But hey, y'all, what is on your list? Uh, send us a tweet, put it on our Facebook page, send us an email, us whatever. And then don't forget, we want to see you all at our 200th episode uh, recording, live recording, yes. and party. It's going to be on Wednesday, June 21st. 21st. It's going to be at the uh, Green Building and Galaxy in, in Dulu. Yeah, and it's, it's at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. There's going to be food, drinks, and festive festive DJ <laughs> and there's gonna be us yes. okay so y'all and we're sure gonna to, be there we're gonna be there what more could you want it'll, okay. be, it'll be free so please check that out um, until next time happy pride say goodbye bye bye everybody Strange Fruit is produced by Lulu
each design differently. Realtors and listings at CapertonRealty.com. Hi, I'm Kyla. And this is Jay. And you're listening to Strange Fruit by WFPL. Hey, Fruitcakes, welcome back. So we took a little vacation to recuperate from all our partying and dancing at our 200th episode party. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed yourselves. Uh, thank you so much to those of y'all who came to check us out in person. We had a wonderful time. Big thanks to Leah Halston and Carter Lewis, uh, who were a real cut up. Uh, we had a really good time at a live taping, but we are back in action, y'all. And so, uh, so Doc, you called me just yesterday, in fact. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked about some stuff that you have been seeing popping on social media mm-hmm. that we kind of talked about a bit about in the past. So what was the conversation? Because that's how we decided who to have as our guest this week. Well, one of my Facebook friends, um, when I was scrolling through my news feed, um, and he's a black gay man, and he had posted a screenshot from one of the apps, one of yeah, the dating apps. Like Grinder or Jack, one of those. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those apps. And. Another black, another, dude, yeah. another black uh, gay man, and basically he was like, "Hey," and he was like, "Hey, I don't date black boys," and I'm like, "Uh, what?" You yeah. know, and so, and then me and you have also talked about, um, you know, just different, um, within queer culture, these kind of really racialized, erotic types, and specifically are, not even queer, but like black gay men's culture, or even yes. or gay men's culture in particular, like, yeah, like, like the notion of snow queens and rice queens and mm-hmm. all those kind of, uh, you know, tongue in cheek uh, notions of. Of who we do or don't date or, yeah, or, or have sex and, with. Yeah, and I and I mean, and I immediately thought of you, Jamal, and your upcoming documentary, which I'm so excited about, which is No Fats, No Femmes, and really complicating audiences' understandings of what it's like to exist as a person and being in, in a body that folks are vehemently saying no fans. They don't no want. Fans. And so, listeners, no, yeah. for those of you all who don't know, obviously our guest, please welcome to the show. Uh, he's a cultural worker. He's a performance artist, Jamal Lewis. <laughs> welcome, Jamal. Hi. And so, you, you're a popular social commentator. Um, you're a performance artist. Uh, folks might know you as at Fat Fem on social media. And so, you talk about in your work desirability ugliness attraction uh, what are the politics of desirability and so the conversation I guess we want to have today is a little bit about uh, what is because we I don't even know where to begin doc because we talked a bit about like what is just genuine attract like I'm attracted to this or I'm not attracted to that right and then how much of that is just simply a social script and so in particular you and I doc were talking about like white dudes who don't date black men who are just like I don't date black men and this idea of hiding under this idea um, and this is a question for you too, Jamal. Hiding under the auspice of it's my preference. It's just my preference. Like um, someone saying, I don't want no films. That's my preference. And for me, I read that as femphobic. When people say it and it has to do with race, I read it as racist. I don't read it as preference. Or or, or, tra- or even just a, tra- a pure mm-hmm. attraction. Um, and so, I don't know. So hop in where, wherever you wherever you see fit, Jamal. But what, what do you make of that? Is there a particular line between what is just a natural, organic attraction versus what is kind of influenced by either social scripts, media, pop culture? So when white dudes say, I'm not attracted to black men, is that a literal statement or is it really more of what does black what does black manhood represent for me in terms of things I do or don't want to be involved in or even fatness right or, or, or femininity um, do you think that those are genuine attraction levels or is it more like kind of socialized stuff well I think both attraction and preference are things that are deeply socialized uh, one of the things I'm getting at in my work is really debunking this whole preference argument mm-hmm. and just really uh, underlining how our preferences are informed by many of the things that surround us, right? I talk extensively about uh, really um, relating desire to senses, right? And how um, in this in this way, right, in this in, in, in the kind of gay culture, I'm particularly interested in black gay culture, not really interested in in in, in, in I guess well I, I, I can say I'm I'm 
I'm very interested in, in black gay culture, but there is an understanding of larger gay culture, right, and how how it influences right, black gay culture in the way. Uh, but I, I talk right, extensively about how um, desires for me relate to senses and in gay culture, like right, vision right, is one of the, I think, um, primary senses um, upon which I think people decide, right, like, like whom they want to, I think, share, like, intimate and sexual space with. Um, but I think there are many other senses, I think, to engage. Um, and people always just like, oh, like, this is what I like. But, like, before I could have a, a strong taste for sushi, I had to eat sushi to know that I like it, right? Um, I, I, I I could say for a very long time, I don't like that because of how it looks, right? But I really don't know that I don't like it. I'm just really saying I don't like it because I am not willing to give it a try for my own, I guess, like personal reasons, right? And I, I think that the two are very relatable. I love that I always bring food into the conversation. Hey, I don't mind, yes, I don't mind no. that one bit. And, <laughs> and it makes sense, maybe, yes. Yeah, I mean, maybe, that, I think that's, that's, that's a really good analogy. Right now, but uh, yeah, I, I always relate that to like, the many things that like we, I think, kind of develop practices for. I, I don't think that it's a problem for someone to have a preference. My goal with this project is to help people understand um, I think the, the place from which these preferences, I think, derive. Right. And so is that is that what was one of the impetuses for you to come up with the documentary was that you wanted to complicate these things and and, and problematize the understanding between a, a general preference and, you know, acts of racism when it comes to desirability and, and those types of things. Like what was the drive behind creating the doc? Yeah, so I think the project has grown to this place. But originally, um, and I think it's still, it's, it, it still existed it, in that it was inspired by my own personal dating experiences. Um, and uh, it has, like, the, the journey, which has been uh, now five years in the making, um, has been an interesting one. But it, at a, in the film, it was deeply inspired by my own personal dating experiences. But what it has brought into is me using these dating experiences as a point of departure to talk about right these very critical uh, themes that are deeply impacting right. Um, I think the black gay, black queer community, um, and I think that like beyond preference, right? It is I think a culture that uh, disempowers uh, fat people, femme people, right, pop people, trans folk, right? Um, it, 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 it is a gay culture that lifts up, right, certain kinds of bodies as worthy of love, right, attention, right? You know, like, um, um, like narratives, worth, narratives worth listening to, narratives worth disposing, right? It, 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 it goes far beyond what whom we decide to go to bed with, but like, who we decide to go to bed with, I think, is very telling, right, of how we interact with and engage everybody else in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can Can you give our listeners um, an example, Jamal, or just kind of maybe some anecdotal evidence of what life is, what it's like navigating life um, as a fat person ch- trying to date? So, I mean, are, are people is it microaggressions? Are people just flat out like, uh, you know, very straight? I don't like like what are some of the the comments you've heard, the reactions you've gotten as you began to navigate dating and sex life um, as as a black gay person or as a as in black queer life? What what kind of experiences have you had? Sure. So I um, I stopped using gay dating apps for two years. Um, and very recently, when I began phase one of production for the film um, in the beginning of July, I redownloaded Jack, which is a very popular gay dating app. And I, I found myself, like, um, in, in my first day back on there, I found myself, like, a really, it produced a very crippling anxiety for me, um, just really uh, being back in that space where uh, body, right, and particular gender performances uh, are absolutely valued more, right? So I think in that space, it becomes about um, how how masculine, right, can, like, a, a icon look, right, like, to, like, really, I think, attract another person for sex. Um, and so navigating that is very interesting. I 
I end up like, but you know, like I made a regular profile. I put my reading interest, which was very interesting. A lot of people messaged. Well, I got a, a message like, <laughs> like by someone deeply impressed by my reading list. I think I had Janet Mott's new book on there. I had uh, um, two of my like favorite books of poetry right now that I I've read through over and over again. And one is Insert Boy by Diana Smith and Don't Let Me Be Lonely by Claudia Rankin. And the last uh, book I had on there was uh, Hunger by by Roxane Gay. So some people were just like, oh, okay, this this reading list is very nice. Like, oh, let me talk to you more about this reading list, right? And which are things that I like, right? Because I, I think that I purposely fill those things out uh, with intention because I think that, that, you know, I think that we should, I think, take like serious, right, these interests that people list out, right, and not just only engage, right, these icons, these bodies. But what I... I was on there for a few weeks, and like it was really interesting. The 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 the, the kind of messages I would receive, like from like blank profiles of like guys, just like 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 you know, like wanting to engage me sexually, um, even though like I I feel like I had clicked the long term relationship option. Yes, I don't know if that really works in that space. That's what I was really interested in, um, um because hookup for me happened. Um, often too regularly so like I'm interested in something else but it was it, it there were like also like like one one person I think I messaged like I don't know I I, I, I was doing this thing where I was I was just like sending kisses you know I was, I was just like really like like hearts you know just, just after reading a person's profile just like those were my my various ways of acknowledging them and just like sending love I'm not sure what other kind of responses people give on there but I think I got a lot of love which was interesting because I have a lot of love to give have a very big heart but what triggered me right what reminded me of like really um, I think dating and right black gay male spaces right was this really notion of like men right telling me that they may find me attractive or, or beautiful and love my imagery, right? But do not have like a sexual attraction for me, which I think is very interesting to tell, right? Via a phone app. So one of the things that I flagged from that is that, like, I in my experiences of attempting to date black gay men, right? There's this thing like where they are attracted to my intellect, right, and all the things that I bring to the world, right, as Jamal, right, as there's, there's always this idea, right, of, of me that people become fascinated with, but, like, never the person, right, mm -hmm. never the human, right, in need of, right, touch, right, in need of loving, right, so I just think that um, I don't cite that as a, a as a personal deficit on on the other end, well, I, I don't say it as a personal deficit on my end, but also I don't blame the person on the other end. I see it as a structural thing, impacting how people engage in sexy and love, or not even know how to do these things, right? Because of how technology, I, I think, like has such a strong impact on how we engage our desires. Because I just I I would never understand how somebody can tell that they're not sexually attracted to someone if the bodies are not needing to know. Mm -hmm. right? I'm not sure how you can yeah. how you can tell that through an and a a profile icon, but how it is told, right, in these black female places is through like apps, right? Or like right, like up, like these very appetizing thick prints, right? And it's not a sweatpants, it's not an underwear. Right. These are the things that right are are really highly valued in this space and like people starve themselves, right? Or just take, you know, multiple shots trying to get that right angle, that right shot for the profile picture, which is fine. This is how people navigate that space. But I like after like someone told me this, right, in a in a message, like I it just reminded me of of why I think I, I'm just very frustrated with how things like kind of work in this space I erased the app off like, oh. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but it's almost it's almost as if the the apps create um, the physical distance but also it seems as if your experience has been that folks create an invisibility around you on the one hand they kind of relish in who they think you are on the inside right and and oh you seem festive and delightful and creative and I want to get to like kind of know you and we can become BFFs or come become connected in that way when you're wanting more of a romantic, sexual, like those types of connections, an intimacy, um, a love intimacy um, connection that they almost seem to 
not project onto your person, right? Is is that what yeah. you know? And I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't think that like I well I I know for sure that I am deserving of these things, but I'm not. I don't. I don't. It's it's not something that I think that I must get it from the next face, but I do find it very interesting just how my body is read, and I, I think I take note of that. Um, but yeah, I just think it, it, it it's a very interesting thing, um, um, and I like while navigating it, right? I I thought as 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 a Asian nonconforming person, like of of a kind of trans experience, or just as as a trans person, right? I question like my I think presence on a gay male dating app, like that that is very male for male centric. Um, and I was just wondering, like, 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 where do we locate, right, or or place, right, like people like myself, like, like that have an affinity for black gay men, right, have a very strong connection to black gay men, um, in 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 those kind of dating spaces. And it's interesting because I see a lot of like other like trans and like gender non-conforming people on on chat, right, like trying to like I think really. Um, really do the same, right, and trying to locate and, and engage a desire in a space that is male-for-male centric. So it's just really interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, Jamal, thank you so much for helping us unpack this issue. Uh, listeners, you all can check out Jamal online. Uh, most of the, their social media handles are at Fat Film. And Jamal, your website is Jamal... JamalTLewis.com and um, I'm Fat Film everywhere. And Fat Film is my gender pronoun. I uh, use Jamal and at Fat Film interchangeably. You know, digital internet intervention. You don't have to struggle to name me he or she, but just name me at that time. There you go, love. Please take care, okay? Thanks, Jamal. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, so uh, that that was very interesting. I like that we had a chance to check in with Jamal uh, for a little bit of Jamal's perspective on the issue. Yes. But but let's talk about some more of the things that we talked about because um, I, you know I, as we were discussing things and I was like in the kitchen like washing dishes or something and we were just <laughs> talking about you know yeah because uh, I was for me I've you know um, I've seen it when I when I talked to again Yaba my friend Yaba who's friend to the show Dr. Yaba Blay when I've talked to her about um, her understanding and her conviction around the idea of skin color when it comes to colorism within black communities and Yaba has always felt and always argued that when folks say you know black folks when they say well I'm just not into light skinned women you know I mean I'm not into dark skinned women yeah. for instance and Yaba's like that's not a preference that's yeah. more so this kind of pathology this kind of internalized race r- racism and colorism you know that's long standing and so I think that what I've been seeing at least on conversations around social media is that it seems as if um, there's a lot of this preference usage going on when it comes to no fats no femmes no black folk um, yeah. and I mean there's never anything of the opposite where there is no whites no thin people well, well no. yeah they're, they're, I mean they're, they're, yeah. those those are not and so for me I was asking you like um, you know when these folks are having on their profiles that's you know it's almost like a white only colored only drinking fountain yeah. I mean and that, that, yeah there's a couple things I wanted to know. say that like so we were talking I was talking in particular about like a homeboy I know who's who's attractive he's a white dude who's attractive and that he just he seems to be to get on issues of race to be very progressive but he never dates white people I mean black people rather and so I was discussing that with a friend and I'm like I, I just don't believe it when people say especially white people say like I'm not attracted to black people like I'm just not erotically or physically attracted to black people because I just don't think that to be true I think the science says like even phenotypically what is attractive like everybody recognizes beauty so even Mm -hmm. to the most racist white person Halle Berry is attractive even to the most black delicious black person I mean there's like one white dude or one white woman who is just attractive even if you don't have sex with them whatever Mm -hmm. so I just don't think that's true to say like genetically I'm predisposed to not finding people of a particular color or race attractive. Now, again, I think that that is that what it really is about social scripts. Like, it's not about I'm not attracted to black people. It's what is black? What do black people represent? Mm. What does black manhood represent? Does it represent? I think they all have HIV. Does it represent? I think that they all want to rape and rob because they represent that my grandmother says the n word. So I think that mm. whether people admit it or not. To say I don't, I'm not into this particular race of people, right? Mm-hmm, Asians, mm-hmm, for example, mm-hmm. that is because you're not into what you think Asian culture represents. Not because you don't look at black Asian people and find them attractive. Mm-hmm. And and then you ask the question about what makes people feel so emboldened and um to to make these declarations, right? Yeah, like, to make I the declaration, and then at the same time, we'll say, you know, I'm I'm not into black folk. 
uh, but I'm not but racist. I'm not racist. At the same time that they're saying I don't date black, whites only, yeah. you know, whites only. Yeah. But I'm not racist. It's just my preference. Yeah. And, and it's and that's that's because I think that because it is a number one a hookup app, it's supposed to be a quote unquote sex positive. What was the conversation we had about? There's a difference between no, being said, sex positive said, and being what I call f u c k forward. Yeah, you said that a lot of gay male culture is not so much wrapped up in sex, sex positivity no. as much as it's wrapped on you know f forward culture, yes. right? Which so, means we have, we have to be okay with one of the f other people or one to sleep around. Like right. we, we're not going to shame each other for for, for how for much being, sex, being thoughts, where the sex, but that doesn't mean that yeah. you're sex positive, right? Sex positive right. means you believe it. You call people sex workers, not prostitutes. That means that yeah. you're free as long as there's consent to do what you want to do. F forward just means that you should be free to sleep with people and do what you want to do, but you still have other scripts about what makes somebody a slut or not a slut. You know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And so I think right. that people mistake hookup apps as being a sex positive space when they're really not. And so under the auspices of, well, I should be free to to, de- to declare my preferences, that means no blacks. And it's like, no, that that's not a preference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, I felt you in the sense of um, that is a that makes so much sense to me in the sense that, again, they're working with this idea that, hey, don't judge me because I'm on this app. I want to hook up anonymously or I want to hook up sporadically or all the time. and Or make I, my sexual you know, proclivities known. I enjoy anonymous sex. I enjoy outdoor. You like whatever yeah. kind of you're into from the mild to the wild, you're certainly you're kind of like allowed to do it on those apps right. without judgment. And there's, there's in theory somebody on the other end who wants the same thing that you want. Right. But then when you incorporate this kind of racialized, this racialization and this um, projected racism onto specific bodies yeah. and um, writing these specific bodies in certain ways I just find that you know precarious because I to mean, me it's what? like if you don't like it just don't write them back like like I've I mean, never and again yeah. I don't I don't play that much on the apps but every anytime I've ever done that if there's somebody I'm not yeah, into it, because I one, just say hello and I just stop responding yeah because for me it really implies this idea that like all these black dudes it's are hitting hit you up, up. Yeah. even though you're a white dude and you don't do black dudes. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's a, presump- so it's this, a presumptiveness it's, about like who's yeah. going to interact with you or who, let me just go ahead and let y'all know black people don't hit me up because I don't want y'all. Because I know you're going to be knocking yeah, on my door yeah. and I know you're going to be on this app and yeah, I, you're going to yeah. send me messages yeah, I, I, I just, I think, like, I think it's tacky. I mean, I just, think, I just think that in real life, if a person approaches you in real life who, you know, and again, and I, and I got what Jamal was getting at about uh, how can you say you're not attracted to somebody until you lay eyes on them in the physical, right? And yes. I get that about the, our primary sense. Uh, you know, what makes our juices flowing? You know, what, uh, but, uh, but again, the ways yes. in which we view things are what gets your juices flowing, much more exactly. than your imagination, right? Exactly. That's why you rather have a video to watch than just use your own imagination, you know? So exactly. I get the notion, but again, if you're in a nightclub,